Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me are my co-host, Joseph. Hello. Ian. What up, guys? And Jehu. <laughs> I was worried about that on the microphone. It, <laughs> I'm back for way well. up. He's a professional, goddammit. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of professional, we're here to talk about a professional film made by professionals. Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I thought um, you were going to be calling us professionals because we're actually doing it in like a reasonable amount of time as opposed to six years late on the first one. <laughs> now that feels counterproductive to the name of this show, which is called Real Phonies. I so. guess so, yeah. Um, but this has some of the same return. Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams. <laughs> I cannot remember that woman for the life of me. Uh, the guy who plays Dan. Yeah, that guy. Some returning cast members. And then it has... Woody Harrelson, and I, I didn't look this up. Is that Naomi Harris? Yes, it's Naomi yeah, Harris. It is. Okay, so is that the same exact wig and teeth she wore in Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean? <laughs> well, well, we're going to talk about that, but it's <laughs> not far off. Also, Stephen Graham's in this. Is he? Yeah, he's the, yeah, he's the, the detective. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. swear to God, I thought that was Donnie Wahlberg. I, I mean, thought it was Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> I, I leaned over to Sarah during the movie and said, man, New Kids on the Block is really short. <laughs> but it wasn't him. Never oh, mind. That is fair. This movie picks up an undetermined amount of time. Seems fairly recently after the end of the first Venom film where Woody Harrelson's Cletus Cassidy is being put to death due to a crazy exchange with him and... Eddie Brock somehow gets a symbiote and starts to wreak havoc or probably carnage is probably the word I should use mm. across San Francisco to reunite with his long lost love. And it's up to Eddie and Venom to put him to a stop. What do we think of this movie, guys? Man, I thought this shit was wacky. <laughs> this is a wacky fucking movie. Uh, you know, I mean, like superhero movies always have a lot of quippiness in them, particularly Marvel movies where you would probably you know, classify them as action comedy, but this shit was just comedy with some special effects. (laughs) Like at least 40% of this movie is just a dude doing physical comedy in an apartment with a CGI monster and talking to himself. And this Mm -hmm. probably all sounds like I didn't like it, but I fucking loved this shit. I I thought this was super fun. Yeah, I agree. I thought it, it leaned into what I wanted, which is like the back half of that, the first one. It's like zany, you know, it, it kind of is almost like part romantic comedy. I think that's like if you had to subgenre it, it's almost like a romantic comedy between Eddie Brock and Venom. Mm. And it's fucking weird, but it, it actually works for me. Like I laughed out loud multiple times with like the dialogue between Venom and Eddie. Like I think that they just they, they realized they had something a little bit at the back after that first one and they just went all in with it. And I can respect it. Is it the best movie ever? No, but it is like miles ahead of the first one, in my opinion. And I think Woody Harrelson is definitely like leaning into natural born killers, which, you know, it's one of my favorite roles he does. I was going to um, say, man, I think that that now Harris is great in this, but there's no way that Juliet, Ju, uh, what's her name? Juliet Lewis didn't pass on this first. Mm. Yep. This oh. was the most 90s yes. movie ever made, <laughs> including all 90s movies. This movie was 100%. The mask versus natural born killers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I really liked it. I, you know, it, 
it was good. I had fun with it. Also yep. shorter than Transformers. Go For ahead. sure. No, I, I, the thing I loved the most about it was the 90-ness of its minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I like this movie. I like it better than the first one. I think it is a wacky, fun time. I think it's better than Transformers. I probably will watch it again before I will watch Transformers. I did have some issues with it, and we'll get more into it when we get into spoilers. I think the middle kind of drags. Like At no point should I be checking my watch in a 90-minute movie, and I mm. absolutely did in this <laughs> one. But when it's cracking jokes and Eddie and Venom bickering with one another and kind of doing like... um odd couple sort of twist like i'm in i think it's funny i think definitely the villain is better uh i still have some issues with it um but i you know overall it's a it's 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 fun and at the very least the movie can be fun and that's all this movie tries to be so mission accomplished i feel like in many ways this sucks because I feel like for the purpose of a podcast, we need to have more conflict. But I also had a really great time with this movie. I, I had very low expectations coming in from the first one because I didn't like the first one at all. Uh, but it, like Ian and Hurt both said, it, it, it finds the little diamond at the center of that really garbage origin story and just capitalizes it all, all the way. I, I think there's definitely bits that are missing. I don't feel like all the performances are great. We'll talk about but it was fun and it was 90 minutes and I had a good time. So spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. I, well, first of all, I'm just I'm really looking forward to anyone trying to talk about the story of this movie. Yeah, That's, there <laughs> well, isn't there. There is not a plot to this it, film, which it, is so it is interesting. Fucking nonsense. Here's my first bit of nonsense. I want to ask you all about because this is the part that like I just thought was the weirdest thing. How come Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy in 1996 was so much younger than Woody Harrelson would have been in 1996. Yeah, that's... A very good point. I think it's supposed to be to like make him slightly closer in age to Naomi Harris, who is also, I think, older than we think she is. But right. uh, yeah, I, I don't know either. Also, the, uh, you know, I, I, this is one of the things that got me worried about the movie. But the the ADR at the beginning, where they dub over Woody Harrelson's now voice over "quote unquote" young Woody Harrelson, was like, "Oh no, mm-hmm. I'm in for a bad time." <laughs> Yeah, that opening bit is not great. That, I did have very similar thoughts with you. It's like, Ooh, this is not a strong first step here. The, the opening's not great. I did like they brought in Ravencroft. I think that's like cool from the comics. That was a cool like little little Easter egg, which I enjoyed. But yeah, Woody Harrelson does not look like that was like 15 years ago. It looked like it was 35 years ago. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did anticipate that we would get more Easter eggs from that than we did. Wait, so, yeah. so, what, so what should I know about Ravencroft? It's like Marvel's psychiatric hospital that for the criminally like superpowered insane. It pops up in a lot of different mediums, but the, so you know, it's like, the general it's like thing Arkham is, in the Marvel universe. Exactly. It's okay. the closest thing to Arkham. Yeah. Uh, I to, to Jehu's point about the plot. What's so funny to me is the there are there are driving the driving forces scene to scene in this movie are simply like one line of dialogue but there's because <laughs> there's really no explanation what the cletus connection is to eddie we just yeah. get like this random thing of like i just wanted to be friends okay but why or like carnage is like i gotta kill my dad doesn't say why that you could say like that's like a symbiote thing all it is is like one line of dialogue in one scene to get us to the very next scene that's coming 
there's no there's nothing centralized to it that moves throughout the movie. Nope. It's such it's such a weird just collection of we want these two people to talk. How do we make that happen next? It's so funny because I almost feel like uh, you know not not that this movie has to be any shorter, but I think it could be shorter in that I think you could cut out pretty much everything with Woody Harrelson and Naomi Harris until the final confrontation, and it wouldn't be a different movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I definitely think there was a script for this and they looked at it like twice. (laughs) I think this movie went through a lot of test screenings, I bet. And I think a lot probably got left on the cutting room floor because they were like, this shit's not it. It doesn't need to be long. Exactly. Get get out, make our money. Like, like none of this is it's all extraneous. Like people just want Eddie Brock and Venom, like, you know, having their odd couple relationship. And I think a lot of stuff probably got left on the floor. And it's for the better of the movie. Like, you will not hear, you know, give me the air cut for this shit or the Snyder cut. Like, this is what we should have gotten. And it works. This is the most I've ever fucking agreed with you. And and it might be forever. Uh, Like, I I have the exact same thought. Or it's like, you you know, they probably could add, like, another scene where we explain. But who fucking cares? Like, we don't need that. It's perfectly fine as it is. It's perfectly as short as it needs to be. Don't add anything else. It's great. Yeah, I'm hashtag sure at bring some back point the there was an explanation movie. to why she had screamy powers, and I'm glad they didn't tell us because who gives a shit? Exactly. Yep. I, I mean, they said the word mutation, and I was like, that's the interesting word to choose in this movie. That, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate. You know, I said all this shit about there not being a plot. I'm not even complaining. I'm just commenting on the state of the movie. <laughs> like it's just the way the movie is set up. And it's kind of funny that it doesn't care at all to do it. Right. Like, it, <laughs> yep. it is like, we know what we're making. You're just going to fucking deal with it. And I did. I'm fine. Right. That, that's the thing. This is a fun movie. And part of why it's fun is because it's kind of fun to rag on. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I don't know. It, it definitely draws a lot from Maximum Carnage. I don't know if you guys ever read it. It was the story, the Spider-Man story I read the most growing up. And it's basically like this Spider-Man crossover where, Carnage gets out and he gets his girlfriend named Shriek and they just start recruiting like Venom, like all these Spider-Man villains and they like make New York fucking crazy and Spider-Man, Venom, Black Cat, like Blade and Morbius all team up and it's just fucking bonkers and like there's a little bit of this movie from that and I think that's why I just fucking love it. It gives me nostalgia so like it, it just worked for me for sure. This definitely, this definitely felt more, more like a 90s comic book than any movie ever. It's just... Yep images and fucking noise and jokes i will say i comparatively to the first one i thought like the symbiotes were more cohesive like in their like what i could tell what they were supposed to be doing and most of the time so i feel like they they might have actually honed that a little bit better in this one than the first one i did you we talked a lot about you know 90s movies uh, for this and i completely agree but I do think it was interesting that the entire second act of this movie is Spider-Man two and the entire third act is Spider-Man (laughs) three. And yeah, Naomi Harris is wearing her costume from Pirates of the Caribbean. So it felt very reminiscent of a 2000s. Sure. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. You know, I think, I think Tom Hardy knows exactly what he's doing here. I think he's doing a fun job, both as a, you know, Eddie Brock and Venom. I'd say uh, I it feel seems like, like he legitimately loves it. Like I think he does too. It seems like he's really having yeah. fun. 
maybe my favorite sequence in the movie is where Venom is on his own and goes to the rave. Yep. And it starts going in some directions that could have easily been real fucking cringy, but it's just more gags. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. I, that part worked for me. That's the part of the movie that I, I liked Venom at the rave, but the 20 minutes in the middle where Eddie and Venom are not together, I could not care less about. <laughs> like, I am there purely to watch those two argue all the time. Right. And when they're not doing that, when it, Eddie kind of has his life put together in those moments, I could not give a shit about Eddie. I want him to be a fuck up. I, it, that is what's entertaining for me. Uh, and so when that's not going on, I was like, dear Lord, what, whatever it takes for these two to end back up, let's just get to that point because this is unnecessary. <laughs> you're, you're saying it could have just been a montage. For sure, montage. <laughs> that would have fit too. I, I could have yeah. gone for a montage. <laughs> I'll, I'll say so. So as far as as like acting, I feel like Stephen Graham came in here thinking this was a real movie because he's actually quite good at it. I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, totally. He's certainly trying. He's certainly trying, as opposed to uh, uh, Woody Harrelson and God Lover. I do love Naomi Harris, but those motherfuckers phone this shit in hard. I'm not yeah. saying there's a lot of required of them. I know we talked about the natural born killers comparison, but like both of them seem check the fuck out in this movie to me. Stephen Graham's like, this is going to be my seven. And everyone else is like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> he was one of those actors that I think probably didn't understand that this real, this wasn't a real Marvel movie. Right. Yeah, this, yeah, wasn't, yeah. this wasn't going to lead to him being in like nine different movies. Well, it's funny you say that, though, because at the end, though, the, the impression I got after, you know, all is said and done is right. he's going to be toxin. You know what I mean? Did you guys see the blue eyes at the oh, end? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I didn't think of that, but yeah. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure Carnage and uh, Sheik or Shriek had like a little a little mating thing. And I'm pretty sure that Toxin is like the offspring of Carnage. And it seemed like that got into Stephen Graham. So I'm pretty sure they set him up to be in the next one. But I mean, you know, then there's that after scene, which we'll talk about. So, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. You know what I mean? But he did seem like he's set up to be Toxin, which is if you got, if you know, people don't know. It's like the son of Venom and Carnage, who is stronger than any of them. And he actually ends up being an anti-hero kind of thing instead of a villain. It works out. So right. that would be cool. I mean, that's probably the third most famous symbiote. Of course, Venom and Carnage are way more famous. But after that, I'm pretty sure Toxin would be the next most known. Yeah. Also, yeah. you know, well, I, I, you know, we're jumping all over the place storyline wise, but I mean, as, a, as opposed to our normal, very structured approach. <laughs> but I mean, even more so than this. But I was going to say, you know, even though you know, uh, like Cletus Cassidy meets a pretty uh, definitive end in this, which is fucking hilarious. He could still come back in the comics. He was ripped in half and thrown into the sun. He can make yep. it. Yeah, I don't think he's, I, I feel like they should. Th yeah, you can always bring him back because he's too good to just be in a 90 minute movie. Like there's more you can mine from him. I did think it was I would have liked to have seen those two go head to head one time prior to that. It was interesting that we only got one fight between the two of them. I would have liked to seen Venom get his ass kicked by Carnage once before, you know, the That's end true. of that film. Particularly yeah. with Venom's Venom's reaction to Carnage, which was also hilarious, where he was basically afraid of him. There should have been a mid-fight where he got his ass kicked. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't want any more any more minutes in this movie. I'm fine without it. <laughs> no, just replace some of the parts where where Eddie was taping the ceiling. That's actually a good point. Uh I don't know if you guys were, were doing the same thing as I was because I knew this movie was PG-13. I was literally just clocking the time till the, the F-bomb in this movie because if oh, there was sure. any movie that was going to use it, it would be this movie. Uh, and you know what? 
Well placed. Well done. Dude, that's 100% one of the times where they were just like, script, what is script? I'm sure there was an emotional moment in that spot, and they chose fuck this guy instead. And I think and that's the right me. choice. Yeah, it was, no, it was, it was maybe the best scene in the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> also, I should say, I was just making fun of scenes in the apartment, but Eddie's apartment is maybe one of my favorite sets in any movie. It's so horrible. <laughs> Those two chickens. I love the two chickens, dude. I love that the two chickens. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's the thing that I'm going to say now that I, you know, six months ago, I never would have believed I was said. I liked this movie a lot more than Shang-Chi. Wow. Wow. Cool. I don't agree. I don't know if I can agree wow. with that, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's shorter than Shang-Chi. And generally, I think I might have had more fun in this one. I might be on the same board as you, Hurt. <laughs> right on. So do we want to talk about the... Uh, yeah, let's talk about the big thing. Well, the I want to ask Ian something about that. Are, yeah. are you guys having trouble with people spoiling other people in the lobby? Most people have been good. I haven't had anyone come up and say that, but I feel like at this point, it's all over the internet. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of people probably already going into it spoiled would be my guess, but I haven't had like, I've had someone bitch and say, Hey, someone leaving the movie just told me kind of thing. Thank God. Yeah. I, I went and saw it at the Ridge and there were just signs everywhere. Do not spoil the other customers. We will kick (laughs) you out, which is like, Uh... they're already leaving. How are you going to kick them out? Yeah. That's actually a smart sign to put up because that is definitely the, the I think it's the coolest after credit scene I can remember. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm probably forgetting something, but I mean, as far I, as I, I think can it, tell, I think it mostly is the best after credit scene because it's so unexpected. Right. Uh, because like, I think on its face, it, like it, it just makes sense that eventually you would put Venom and Spider-Man together, but we didn't fucking believe it was actually going to happen. <laughs> I didn't think Marvel would touch this shit with the 10 foot wall. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so, so hurt like you you didn't get spoiled then right you you, you no. like it came to you on okay. yeah, yeah i mean what did you guys all think about it like, like again I, I i sat there like in disbelief because like no way <laughs> <laughs> i uh i thought it was legitimately the best mid or after credit scene that i can remember like i was shocked yeah. at how fucking into it i was at that time before See, I, it hit, what yeah. did you think it was going to be? Like when you when he first starts talking to to Eddie about the shit, what did you think it was be as opposed to what it turned out? To be? I can't answer that. Ian and I have been texting about it for weeks. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, it's pulled a long time ago for me and Jones. So like, I knew. I wish I didn't though. This is one of those ones that I really wish I didn't. Most of the time, I don't care about losing the spoil. You know, being spoiled, but. This one would have been one that just had my mind blown. It would have been like fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, I expected there to be, I don't remember which Marvel property that Sony still owns the film rights to. Uh, so I figured there would be something in the symbiote history that would be one of the other uh, Sony properties. And then, you know, they, they fake you out there and then do the, the little multiverse twitch. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I, I definitely think, so we talked about this in the last episode, which I'm, I'm sure was Ian setting us up for this week about how we think Venom fits into the Marvel Universe. Last week, I wouldn't have said, oh, I don't know if that's going to fit because the first movie's kind of garbage all the way around and the writing is terrible. This movie, I definitely see it. I, I see how uh, you can work in his weird little psychosis into uh, a, like funny situations with other characters. I, like, when it started... I my first thought was this is going to be null, which is like the cosmic yep. origins of Venom. And then 
I started moving towards, no, you know what? This is going to end up being a reference to the Raimi Spider-Man verse because they mm. would still have the right to that shit and it would be sort of like their back door into the MCU. Like, you know, okay, well, if they're going to let Raimi shit into, into the MCU, if we put ourselves in that, then we're kind <laughs> of in it. But then when it was actually just a straight line to Tom Holland, shit blew my mind. Yeah, well, that's interesting, Jehu, to your point, because the Daily Bugle logo in the movie is the Raimi logo. Right, yeah, right. So it does kind and and to that point, it I had kind of been wondering the same thing if they were just if it was going to exist in the Raimi verse and then just not tell us. And I asked Ian this question, and I'm here curious to hear Joseph and, and Hertz' perspective when he says that guy is that a moment of recognition? Is that supposed to be that he knows, or is this symbiote the same one? Like you know what I mean? Like I'm trying. To, it seemed almost recognizable in that moment, but I might be misreading it. No, I mean I think I think that's fair. That's one of the things that stuck out to me is that it almost seemed out of character that he'd just be drawn to some random human that he's. I mean, he's not even near. He just sees him on a screen, so it makes sense that there would be like you know a history or something. Yeah, I can't figure out the math how it works, but it definitely seemed like recognition. He knew a Spider-Man. I don't know if he specifically knew that Spider-Man, but he knew what he was seeing, and he knew he wanted some of that. I mean, the whole scene was cool and obviously crazy that he's in the MCU now. And what's crazy is that the next, you know, the next Spider-Man movie we get, that means Eddie is already present in this universe at this moment. So it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to connect the dots, but there's definitely, I think, even more to it than we fully realize. What do you think brings him, what what do you you know, that moment that switches the, you know, the hotel room and, you know, you know, and now he's in a different universe. Like, do you think that's a Wanda thing? Do you think that's a Doctor Strange thing? Do you think that's a Loki thing? Like, what do you think, like, how do you think he got there? Do you guys have any ideas? I mean, Doctor Strange makes the most sense just from context, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Doctor Strange as well. And I think it's going to play like into the Spider-Verse rules. Like all those characters got pulled into that universe at different time periods. Like, you know, Gwen's there like two weeks before everybody else or whatever. So I think that's how the science works out, I guess. But I definitely think it's Doctor Strange. So do you yeah. think Peter gets his hand on the symbiote, Annie? Mm. I, that I seems don't. like a lot to fold in, but it already <laughs> seems like a lot to fold in. So who knows? Yeah, I think he's going to end up if he's in no way home which i'm assuming he is at this point uh, especially because you know there's been pictures of tom hardy wearing the no way home hat i want to say that he ends up helping spider-man somehow yeah that would be that would be my guess i i just don't think you make them the way eddie brock works as an anti-hero like in the whole first two venoms i think maybe that you know they fight of course heroes you know that when they first meet each other but i want to say he helps them dispatch maybe like you know the alfred molinas and the you know the jamie foxes maybe he works with andrew garfield and uh toby mcguire i mean that would be my guess but man there are a lot of spinning wheels on this fucking movie if you're bringing eddie brock into yeah. it, you know what i mean and we, we we haven't talked about the dark corollaries of of this implication which is that this might mean that jared leto's morbius is in the mcu which means that jared leto is in the mcu which i, I thought that it definitely, it definitely means in jared leto already in the mcu though because he's met in the preview he meets vulture yes he meets vulture in the prison we already knew that and i and i think that i don't know when that takes place but that may take place after no way home and continuity also so that you know that could explain why all this is happening you know I don't know. Yeah. There's just so many things going on right now. It's hard to place what's going to happen. But yeah, I agree. I think Jared Leto and with the Michael Keaton thing, they're, they're all in there now. It's all yeah. one thing. 
I hope after this, it's just a merged history and they're all in the same thing together, <laughs> except for Jared Leto. <laughs> but you know, and I, I am pro this, but I'm also kind of anti this because we've, we've, we've thrown this idea out here a lot and I'm going to do it again on here. I think the fun thing with no way home is that all three Spider-Man could be Spider-Man now. And we could go back and do a fucking Tobey Maguire Spider-Man four, or Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man three. Like you have True. the ability to do that. And you could have had all these, like, theoretically Eddie Brock's venom that could be Andrew Garfield's venom. Like, and you could just keep fucking making those movies. And now you could have Sony have their own Spider-Man movies and the MCU has its own Spider-Man. And to me, I would be okay with that. I don't need it to be all one continuity. Now we, you know, the movies just no way home could just be like, Hey, it's all fucking cool. Enjoy it. But I don't think we're going to do that anymore. That's that's true. I'd rather have Spider-Man four than have, have them all be in one reality. You changed my mind. I, I bet welcome. you, though, we were just talking about how Blades dated. Like, I could see Morbius tying into Blades somehow. Maybe Mahershala Ali will kill Jared Leto. Like, that would make my ah. life so... <laughs> in real <laughs> life? That, dude, that's what America needs. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh. yeah. Well, Is there anything else we want to talk about with uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage? Or are we, we content to just call it uh, better than Transformers and move on? I did want to ask, would Lethal Protector have been a better name for this than Let There Be Carnage? No, because that's the selling point. <laughs> yeah, I think you brought in a lot of people because a lot of people look, like Carnage and fucking Joker people are quite similar. There's a, like an overlap on that Venn diagram. Yeah, I, I think the next one will probably be called Lethal Enforcer, though. Like they really made a big deal of making that a thing in this. Yeah, I would have probably preferred it as a title only because they shoved it down my fucking throat so much in this movie. <laughs> it's a funny bit. I like that bit. It's funny once. I don't know. I thought it was funny like three or four times. <laughs> I I think, see, I think it was funny and then it kind of stopped being funny and then that last one was funny. Yeah. Anyway, that's Venom Let There Be Carnage. Uh, you know what? Full throated phonies endorsement. Go watch it. It's only 90 minutes. When's the last time we've had a, a four quadrant recommendation? I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Who would have thought it would have been this track? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's it for uh, Venom. What have we been watching this past week, guys? Gosh, I didn't watch much, guys. I watched a show on Netflix called Clickbait. Uh, it's like a murder mystery show. It's one season. It's dumb. It's worse than Transformers. <laughs> um, it's got What's-His-Face from Entourage in it. I haven't seen that guy in anything since Entourage, so that's There are cool. so many What's-His-Face from Which, Entourage? Yeah. <laughs> is, is, like Adrian Greener? Sure. I don't remember. <laughs> is it Vince? Is it Vince? I don't really remember. I don't even really remember Clickbait. I haven't watched Entourage. It could be any of the guys from Entourage. (laughs) Yeah, they're all kind of the same. Let me ask you this. Was this Blumhouse? No. Then They've got to be kicking themselves. I mean, I don't even know what the movie's about, but Blumhouse just has to be so pissed they didn't get to that title first. Yeah, it is Adrian Greener. I just didn't know that guy's name, so... Thank you, Ian. Yep. No, it's I would say it's Clickbouse uh, Blumhouse in a in a way, mm-hmm. but you're right. The title is very Blumhousey. But what the show is more so like is like an like um like a TV show you would have watched in ninth grade health class about how girls get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> like I don't know uh, if I want that. <laughs> it, the show is definitely the purpose of the show is the dangers of the internet. But it does so through telling you this murder mystery story. So it's it's kind of like a Black Mirror episode, but nine hours long and three times as shitty. Um, for example, and, you know, spoilers if you want to watch this show, but don't. 
there's there's a scene where a woman's like, oh, my gosh, they're doxing me. And this other woman's like, doxing. What does that mean? Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, it means they're releasing my bank account information and my social security number, my phone number and my address online for people to bully me. It's the worst thing possible. Um <laughs> And I mean, they do that with like catfishing. They do it with doxing. Uh, it's it's not good. It's, Are these designed to be lifetime movies to also inform our senior citizens? You know what? That is <laughs> actually not far off. And I, <laughs> I did recommend this show to someone yesterday because I thought they were being catfished. <laughs> I, I was like, you should watch Clickbait. I think you'd learn a thing or two. It's worse than Transformers. Don't watch it. Um, I think that's it. I don't think I have anything else to, to discuss. Okay. Okay. Here, here's the thing, guys. I know I went off the rails last week. I'm <laughs> self-aware enough to realize that. It's not the worst I went off the rails. That was still my Terminator Dark Fate review. But, uh, but I know last week was a mess. So I'm going to limit myself three minutes about Santa Barbara this week. Please tell me you ate Long John Silver again or whatever the fuck you ate last week. <laughs> no, I didn't eat Long John Silver. I, so I'm not sick. I'm not hallucinating from fast food seafood. And it was it was Captain D's. Oh, it's, I'm sorry. But, you know, <laughs> it's it is better funny, if you have though, the excuse. Captain D's, Captain D's is the origin of my fondness for, uh, for uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Long John Silver. Because when I was a kid in Kentucky, the only fast food places we had was Druthers Restaurant, which isn't a real thing, and Long John Silver. So that's why I love fast food fish, even though I live in, you know, a, a fucking seafood place. Okay, so when we left off last time, I was around episode 150 and the main character just died. It had mostly been awful up until this point. It evolved from being awful, awful to like engaging awful, but it was still awful. But, you know, Joe Perkins' death kind of opened up things on the show and things started to get a little better. Uh, the show started to focus more on the thing that it would be known for, which was uh, Cruz and Eden. Cruz and Eden are like a top shelf super couple. Um, and they really started to pop with the addition of Joseph Bottoms as Kirk Cranston. He's, he was a villain who you love to hate and did a great job of keeping them apart. You know, also, uh, by the way, he had been brought in to replace a character that the actor had died. This is the second actor who had died in like the first year and a half of this show. It sounds like a dangerous uh, show. It really is. Um, you know, also, the show finally learned to write for Lane Davis's Maze and Capwell. There was a great story where he causes his dad to go into a coma and then he falls for the nurse taking care of her. Like I said in the last one, this dude just has a really great sarcastic delivery, great comedic timing, really great at playing self-hating. Uh, he's easily the best part, and he might be like a top 10 fictional character for me. Also, when the dad wakes up, he's recast again, fourth time. This was the <laughs> one. That so on this side of the screen, watching the show at this point in my life is the point where soap opera channels started disappearing off YouTube. You guys remember me talking about that before. So I panicked and I broke from the one episode a day format to I was watching like two, three, five episodes a day. And, uh, you know, around this time, like I said, it starts getting really good. And it sort of goes from being a thing that I had hated to a thing that I was kind of watching and enjoying ironically to my favorite fucking thing ever. I love Santa Barbara 
so much. I am on episode 558. <laughs> I've watched 558 episodes of the show. Here's my pitch. I know usually when I do this thing, I'm not using it for the purpose that it's supposed to be for, which is to recommend something that someone would listen to. I know that no one else is interested in this. I'm just forcing you to listen to a thing I want to talk about. Uh, But I'm going to make a pitch for giving this show a try. If you start it around episode 350, there's a storyline where a character who has been a mystery up in this point, we finally find out his connection to the rest of the uh, to the rest of the show, the other families on the show. And finding out who he is is a great recap for everything that happened before. And finding out who he is, so you sort of go over everything that's happened before this. But my pitch is not even that. My pitch is the character's name is Brick Wallace. Okay. If you don't like a show with a character named Brick Wallace, first name Brick, last name Wallace, you just, you, you don't have the same values as me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I got. Kurt, I like that you spent like 10 minutes on the first 180 episodes that you hated and three or four minutes on the remaining 400 that you loved. What the thing is, it should have been more fun to talk about the shitty parts. But like I said, I was just, I, I was doing one of those things last thing where I let, where I knew I went off the rails and I was like, okay, I can save this. And every time I got further off the fucking rails to just by the end, I was like, I don't even know what the fuck. I'm <laughs> How are you still, are you done with it? Or are there, is there still more? No, there's go? still, there's still like 1700 more episodes to go. And, and, just, and just to remind us from, from the first episode of this whatever this sub podcast is uh you you told us that this is a relatively short running soap comparatively to most oh yeah definitely i mean it only lasted eight years but that's eight years of playing five days a week yeah (laughs) you know uh i will say i'm probably only gonna watch to maybe around like episode 13 or 1400 there, there comes a point where a lot of the original cast is just gone at that point, and I don't know if I'll continue on. Like, when I got into this, one of the things I wanted to see, and I should say also, I've gotten back to doing one episode a day because I don't want to burn through these. But, uh, but uh, one of the things I wanted to see was an actor named Terry Lester was eventually going to be on it, but he takes over the role of Mason, and I actually can't accept another actor as Mason. So I'll probably stop watching around that time. All righty. I could go next. I watched The Many Saints of Newark, which is the Sopranos prequel movie on HBO Max. It takes place in like the 70s, 80s, and um, stars a whole bunch of famous people. Ray Liotta, Corey Stroll, John Barenthal, Leslie Odom Jr., and just like all the Sopranos characters that you know are older guys, it's basically them in their prime. Tony Soprano is played by his son, Michael Gandolfini. Uh, you know, James Gandolfini's son, and he looks just like him, uh, like a spitting image. And um, it's not as good as Sopranos. It feels very like B-level mafia movie. I was pretty disappointed in it um, because I really like the cast. Like they cast it perfect. I think the problem with the movie is it probably should have been like a limited series. They cram a lot into two hours. Like it's part like this subplot with Leslie Adams Jr. and like the racial tension in New Jersey and like there are riots and part about Christopher Moltisanti is one of the main characters in Sopranos. It's ma- the main character is his dad, Dickie Moltisanti, who is like Tony's 
idol and who got him into the gangster world. Um, him and, you know, his, him and murder and his dad, um, and kind of this whole subplot, but, um, has a lot of the funny jokes, has the characters, a lot, a lot, a lot of Easter eggs, probably too many, honestly. So I had a good time with it. It's not great. Um, if you like Sopranos though, definitely check it out. Uh, it's a good two hours if you're a fan of Sopranos, but I feel like they wasted a good idea because there's a lot of stuff to mine there and they, and they really blew through it. And the other thing I want to talk about is I watched, I'm up through Skyfall. So I watched Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and Skyfall. And up to this point, I've always said out of the Craig movies that Skyfall is the best. But I think I've been wrong about that. And I don't know where you guys, we've probably talked about this a million times. But I think Casino Royale is a better movie than Skyfall. Where are you guys falling on that? I think you are correct. Is uh, everyone, I think I, that's utter blasphemy skyfall is not only the best craig movie it might be the best james bond movie <laughs> I, I i am firmly on christian's team on this it's probably my favorite bond movie period i can I understand know. why casino row might because you know it's it's more serious but i just think that skyfall's better yeah. i will say this i think to y'all's point i think casino royale probably is a better movie but skyfall is a movie that is about the legacy of James Bond. And if you like Bond movies, it captures what you like about those films so well. Like, it's a love letter to James Bond, in my opinion. And so my question to you guys would be, have, have you guys watched all every James Bond film that there's been? I don't know if I've watched everyone, but I've watched all the, like, the Sean Connery ones, some of the Timothy Dalton. I, I don't think I've seen every single one, but I've seen a lot of them. Uh, the Pierce Brosnan ones. And... I don't know, like, I, I've seen Skyfall a million more times, so I think that, I've only seen Casino Royale probably half as many times as Skyfall. Still a lot. But, man, it just seems like it hits better. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that core relationship between uh, Vesper and James Bond, it really shines through where, I mean, I get it, Judy Dench is great in Skyfall, but I don't know, just watching them all in succession, like, I really came across that, like, the action I liked a little bit more. Like, when he flips that car in Casino Royale, and it flips, like, seven times, like, that shit's dope. Like, the parkour fight in the beginning. Like, there's, and I, I mean, I like the, the poker stuff. Skyfall's great, too. But, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I was struck with, man, I think I like Casino Royale just a tad more than Skyfall, which, going into it, like, I was firmly on the Skyfall as the best of the Craig Bond movies. But I think I'm... I've switched a little in that. I, I got to tell you, Ian, I'm happy that you've, you've come over to my side. Glad to have you on the team. Uh, <laughs> but I will say, I'm surprised that you liked the poker in this movie because I don't know shit about poker. I know, you know, you know more about poker than I do. And the poker in this movie is dumb as shit. <laughs> I mean, it's not realistic poker. They all have the greatest, best hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, I, I really had a good time. And I think... I, I guess I mean, it's not as climactic if, if Bond wins with a pair of nines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to have the straight flush to beat the full house. To beat, you know what I mean? But, um... And I think I really think Mads Mikkelsen is is fucking awesome. You know, I you know I was always like Javier Bardem is like so fucking great as that villain, but Lashif is pretty fucking cool on his own right. So that torture scene is pretty hardcore for a PG thirteen movie, dude. The torture so, scene in that I I just have to skip that shit too much. Yeah, too much crazy. Jehu. And then the other thing I said is Quantum of Solace. Like I've always been really down on that movie, but if you watch that back to back with Casino Royale, and that's what we did, we watched it in one day. Those two work very well together as like a whole movie together because mm -hmm. it's such a sequel to, you know, it takes place legitimately right after Casino Royale ends. And I mean, that movie on its own, I don't think works. But I think if you watch it as like one piece, 
it's a lot better. And I did some research. I was listening to a podcast on Quantum. And, man, I didn't know it took place during the writer's strike. Yeah. And literally Mark Foster and Daniel Craig were writing that fucking script like the day before they were shooting scenes. And for that to come across as even a good movie at all, and it's better than Transformers, is a fucking miracle. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it, that's why they had to rely so much on, like, the elements of Casino Royale, because they had no writers. Like, they had to do that shit on their own. It took pl- they made that shit two years after Casino Royale came out, which is already a quick turnaround without writers. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a little higher on that movie as well, you know, coming across. They're all really good. So Here, the Craig Bond is on fucking great. Here's yeah. my thing on Quantum. Maybe it doesn't have much of a story because of the writer strike, but it has the best action of any Bond movie. The action in that one is fucking crazy. So, and you know, it's it's shorter than a usual Bond movie. So basically, yep. it's just a bunch of shit blowing up, and you know, it's over quickly. I love it. Yeah, uh, that pre-credit sequence where like he's going through the street, like the the car chase with like Mister White in the trunk. That's fucking cool, man. Like, you know what I mean? That's probably one of the coolest scenes of any of the Craig Bonds. Um, I'm going to do Spectre tonight, but yeah, I, I, I hadn't watched him in a couple of years. Even better than I remembered. So I'm up on all those movies. That's all. I, I will say my other argument. I love Casino Royale. So don't, please don't. This is a top five Bond film for me. The other thing that it has that uh, Skyfall has, best fucking Bond theme. That Adele song yeah. is incredible. I'm going yeah. with best modern Bond theme. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair. You know, Daniel I, Craig. Daniel Craig. Roger Moore may not have the best Bond movies, but he has the best Bond song. I will say, to hurt. I would say, like once a quarter, I I go back and find the Radiohead cover of Nobody Does It Better, and it brings me such joy every time. So thank <laughs> you for exposing me to that. <laughs> I love that shit. While I was still trying, that used to be the entrance music for our band. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. The uh, one thing is, I do love that that. The, about Casino Royale's intro is I feel like Chris Cornell's career was over at that point. Totally. But I was th- I was thankful they brought him back. I'm glad they gave him a shot. And I think yeah. he fairly delivers on the poker song. Yeah, that's a good song. Anything else, Ian? That's all I got. All right. Uh, before I get into things that I watch, I want to follow up on a thing that Hurt said about uh, what, was, what was the name of the guy? Brick Wallace? Brick Wallace, yes. There was an anime that my wife and I watched recently uh, called My Next Life as a Villainous. The plot is irrelevant. Uh, right. But I was I was proud of myself early on for identifying a villain character, like the moment he was introduced, which, uh, you know, I was like, she didn't catch it. And I got it. And I was like, oh, I knew it. And then I realized I should have gotten it way earlier because the guy's name is Sirius Deke. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, that's on me. Anyway. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) It's all in Japanese, so it slid by me. I didn't know. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about two animes that uh, I've been watching. I haven't watched a shit ton because I always do, but two ones that I think are are worth noting and are kind of thematically similar. uh, Capture a thing that I think has not been captured since, I don't know, the early 2000s. It's two animes that I would say are very spiritually in line with the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And if you like those movies, I think you'd like these animes. The first one is a lot more straightforward than the other. It's called uh, Fena uh, Pirate Princess. It's essentially just pirates versus ninjas. It's made by Crunchyroll and Adult Swim. And it's it's in its first season, but it's got just the feel of a very long running series. You know, it's just a, a high seas adventure searching for treasure and secrets and all that kind of stuff. It's really fun. I really like it. The other one I want to mention 
It, the, the name of it is called The Case Study of Vanitas. It is the third steampunk vampire anime that I've tried. And the only one that's not bad. <laughs> uh, so that's something. I, the, the thing that I think this show in generally is good. It's got a great opening and closing song. The animation is ab- outstanding. But uh, I think the general appeal of this is the main two characters have a very uh, Jack Sparrow, uh, Will Turner dynamic. If Will Turner didn't suck and also was the heavy hitter of the two. <laughs> right. uh, so, uh, you know, if, if that's a, if that's a dynamic, you know, we talk about how uh, Venom is very much like kind of an odd couple. If you like those kind of mismatch buddy copy style things, uh, this show has got a lot of it. It's got it in spades. So I recommend it. I, I feel like I got a pretty good beat on you, Joseph, as long as we've known each other and, how all of our opinions are the exact same. But the fact that you've tried three steampunk vampire shows is mind boggling. <laughs> particularly since you're not a swinger. Well, like, not that we all, know of. all steampunk people are swingers. I don't know why. I don't know what the correlation is. It's just a true fact. The, you know, I, here's, here's the thing. I, I, that wasn't going to bring this up because it, was, it wasn't relevant. Uh, you tried it and it wasn't for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think for a long time, the whole, uh, you know, vampire neck biting, sucking blood, whatever has been turned into like a sexy, sensual thing. Probably just since like, I don't know, Bella Lugosi or Christopher Lee or somebody did it. Right. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know about all that. And, and to be fair, the other two steampunk vampire animes don't really lean into that quality. Uh this show super leans into it. It is the horniest fucking vampire show I've ever seen. Uh, but it, you know, it's, it's all about blood and not actual sex, but it's very much sex. Anyway, it's, I, I'm making it sound worse than it is. It's good. But <laughs> uh, the only other thing, this is the last thing before we, we sign off, but I wanted to mention, cause we're, we're, we got a full docket for the next few weeks. And one of the friends of the shows, uh, Zach from broke box office really wanted us to talk about, the casting for the Mario movie that just came out from the Nintendo Direct that uh, they're making an animated movie of Mario starring Chris Pratt as Mario, Charlie Day as Luigi, Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, Jack Black as Bowser, and Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, and a few others that are not as notable. So I wanted to say I'm upset that, yes, there are very talented voice actors out there that didn't get jobs and that some of these people are doing these roles. However... I'm going to zig where other people have Zach fucking Mario and Luigi. I am totally on board for <laughs> um, Chris Pratt. In my opinion, shouldn't be a regular actor anymore. All of his best roles are voiceover roles. Uh, he's great in the Lego movie and he's great. And um, whatever the Dungeons and Dragons Pixar movie was, he's legitimately both good in those. And so this is an oddball choice, but I'm for it. I could not have imagined a better Luigi than Charlie Day. I fucking <laughs> love it. Everyone else, yeah, I don't give a shit about those people playing those parts. I agree with you on Charlie Day as uh, Luigi. That's perfect. But I can't imagine a, a, uh, a better Mario. And he's in the fucking movie, Keegan Keys. Mm. He's a great fucking straight man to what I imagine is going to be a wacky Mar- uh, Luigi. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't really know. Does Mario have much of a personality in the games? Because he really doesn't. I, he's just got it's a me, a exactly. Mario. I've just always assumed that because like Luigi gives us such like frantic beta energy that in some way Mario has to be kind of abusive. 
but I don't think it's ever actually uh, like canonically established. I love that you said beta energy. God, <laughs> <laughs> great work. I also enjoyed that. Thank you for that. <laughs> also, I, I should say, uh, you know, I've already said this guy personally, but they should have made some room for John Leguizamo in this. He's very vocal about that as well. <laughs> He's not too busy to tweet about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I said it the moment uh, Christian texted it to us. But, uh, you know, fuck these cowards. Just make this whole thing live action. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know, want totally. as, as someone who loves animation, I want a live action fucking Super Mario Bros. so bad. If you did this live action, then you switch the main roles. Charlie Day is Mario. Chris Pratt as fucking Luigi. And Chris Pratt, like, immediately after filming Guardians of the Galaxy, so he's at his buffest. Right. So it's just Charlie Day and fucking ripped Luigi. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I like that I'm on board. Live yeah, I like action. it too. <laughs> uh, okay, so next week, I think we're going to do Bond. Yeah, I'll definitely yes. be doing Bond. We'll, we'll be yeah, doing Bond. Daniel Craig's Swan Song. No Time to Die, I think. Yep, yeah. correct. They should they should have named it Swan Song. I feel like that's a fairly good Bond name. There that you go. That like a Bond movie name. It could be the name of the song. You could have got Skyfall, Spectre, <laughs> Swan Song. There's an alliteration there. So, missed opportunity. Yeah. David Fincher would have done it. <laughs> uh, but thank you to everybody for listening uh, if you had any other thoughts on Venom or Venom Let There Be Carnage or any other bullshit that we talked about uh, you can reach us at realphonesgmail.com uh, please uh, rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast uh, if they want to hear more about obscure soaps from the 80s please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Real Phonies and on Instagram at Real underscore Phonies thanks to Zach Evans for our and Brian Molesta for our theme we'll see you guys later later later